Section 27 of the Curtis Aviation Book by Glenn Curtis and Augustus Post. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Part 6. The Curtis Pupils and a Description of the Curtis Aeroplane and Motor. Chapter 3. The Curtis Motor and Factory. The history of the Curtis Motor goes back to the early days at Hammondsport, it was the keynote of the development of the motorcycle, the airship, the aeroplane, and the hydro. From a crude single-cylinder engine used on an experimental bicycle, the motor has developed to an eight-cylinder engine giving over 80 horsepower, on which the reliability of the Curtis aeroplane is dependent. Indeed, flight itself in the history of the world was delayed until the development of the gas engine made it possible to get a power that was applicable for this purpose, and one that was at the same time light enough. To describe the motor intelligibly to one who has had no acquaintanceship whatever with gas engines would require many chapters, but to those who have ever examined automobile, marine, or other motors, the following technical data will give an idea of the distinctive features of this aeroplane motor. Motor Design and Material Crankshaft The crankshaft is supported in five bearings of more than ample size. It is extremely difficult, if not impossible, to design a shaft which will be light enough for aeronautical purposes and still be sufficiently rigid without a special support. The propeller end of the shaft is supported in two places, eleven and three-eighth inches apart. At one end, in a plain bearing, two and seven-sixteenth inches long, and at the other, in a combined radial and thrust ball bearing of ample size. This construction is stronger than is the case where the propeller is mounted immediately behind the last main bearing proper, or even in some cases carried at a distance of several inches from the bearing without any support. Any lack of mechanical or thrust balance would be multiplied and transmitted directly to the last crank throw, the tremendous racking and twisting strain thus occasioned causing ultimate failure. The crankshaft is made of imported chrome-nickel steel, properly heat-treated, this steel, particularly after heat treatment, has a very high elastic limit and great resistance to fatigue and crystallization. Connecting Rods The connecting rods are machined from a solid chrome-nickel steel forging, heat-treated. The body of the rod is tubular, which cross-section gives a maximum strength with minimum weight. Rough forging weighs five pounds, finished weight one pound eight ounces. Piston. The piston is long enough to give sufficient bearing surface to sustain the side thrust from the connecting rod, and at the same time weighs but two and one-half pounds. The domed head with properly placed ribs assures strength. The piston pin bearing is seven-eighth inches diameter by two and three-fourth inches long. Reversing common practice, the pin turns in the piston instead of the rod end, as considerable gain in bearing surface is thus made. Engineers will appreciate that with a combined piston and rod weight of four and one-half pounds, the strains from twenty-two hundred reversals of motion per minute at normal speed are very slight. It has three rings, 
together with fourteen oil grooves aiding the rings in retaining compression and assisting the oiling all pistons are rough turned and then thoroughly annealed before grinding to ensure against warping in service the piston rings are of clean springy iron ground all over as a ring must be tight on the sides as well as where it comes in contact with the cylinder there must not be a variation in width over a quarter thousandth of an inch cylinder the cylinder is symmetrical in design ensuring even expansion without distortion valve in the head construction gives an efficient shape of combustion chamber the compact charge fired in the center giving quick and complete combustion and the large valves give free ingress and egress for the gases the water jacket is brazed to the cylinder casting autogenously the metal being a composition of nickel and copper known as monel metal which is proof against corrosion cylinders are bored ground and finished by lapping to get a glass smooth surface water circulation the water circulation is so carried out that all cylinders are cooled equally the water pump being divided by a partition which passes water in equal quantities to each set of four thus avoiding any possibility of a steam trap on one side causing all the water to pass through the other side the pump is driven from the crankshaft by a floating joint the pump shaft is made of a carbon spindle steel a portion of the hot water is returned through the carburetor water jacket which is essential with present-day gasoline particularly in cold weather or high altitudes lubrication the lubrication is a combined circulating and splash oiling system a gear-driven oil pump submerged in the oil pan forces a constant stream of filtered oil through the hollow camshaft bearing thence to each individual camshaft bearing thence to the main crankshaft bearings whence it is forced through the hollow crankshaft and cheeks to the crank pins the surplus replenishing the oil pan into which the rods dip thus oiling the cylinder walls by splash and also filling oil pockets on each main bearing as an additional insurance against their running dry the pump is driven off a bevel gear integral with the crankshaft and is of the gear type being without valves or moving parts other than two simple spur gears it is entirely enclosed in a fine mesh screen through which the oil must pass to reach the pump valves the valves have cast iron heads reinforced with a perforated steel disc embedded in the cast iron the whole being electrically welded to a carbon steel stem the camshaft is hardened and ground and cams formed integral with the shaft the cam contour is also ground the valve timing being exactly the same in each cylinder castings the majority of non-moving parts including the crankcase are cast of special aluminum alloys recent laboratory tests have shown tensile strengths of as high as fifty thousand five hundred pounds per square inch weight the weight of model a motor alone is two hundred eighty five pounds three and eight tenth pounds per horsepower 
the weight of power plant including propeller radiator and necessary connections is three hundred forty seven pounds note that the forty horsepower cylinder motor weighs one hundred seventy five pounds and gives a thrust of three hundred ten pounds when equipped with a seven foot diameter by six foot pitch propeller turning at nine hundred revolutions per minute the pitch speed of the propeller at this rate is in excess of a mile a minute gas consumption the consumption of gas is three-fourths pint per horsepower per hour the engine can be throttled and consumption reduced in nearly direct ratio to the horsepower developed consumption on full throttle per hour is seven and one-fourth gallons gasoline and one gallon of oil the oil capacity of the small pan is four gallons of the large pan six gallons testing and power each engine is given an extended run with propeller load after giving the required standing thrust at the proper speed the engine is completely torn down for inspection and carbon removed after assembling it is given a second test on a water dynamometer which gives the horsepower developed miscellaneous few people realize that the aeronautical motor is subjected to usage equaled by few internal combustion engines the average car engine is seldom run on full throttle for extended periods the marine engine is ordinarily a very heavy slow speed machine the aeronautical motor to run at the high speeds under full load demanded today must of necessity be designed with this fact in mind and particular attention paid to numerous weaknesses apt to develop under this treatment adding to the above the necessity for minimum weight while still retaining a sufficient factor of safety in all parts it is evident that an aeronautical motor must be designed as such and not be just a modified addition of an automobile engine with a few pounds removed here and there parts of the curtis motor a complete list readers note here follows a list of component parts continuing for two pages that list is omitted from this recording End note. a visit to the factory a visit to the Curtis factory is of interest to anyone interested in machinery, and there you will see the latest machines of all types, from powerful milling machines to a delicate modern printograph that is almost human in its manner of getting out letters and printing, for it is a cross between a printing press and a typewriter. Another unique machine is one that carves out propellers from a laminated block of wood, one arm of this machine runs over a model and the other about two feet away arranged to move exactly with it and provided with a tool of cutting edge forms the propeller blade with absolute accuracy out of a block of wood placed parallel to the model the cutting tool follows all the complex changes in the surface of the wooden propeller with the greatest ease and rapidity the brazing room where the oxyhydrogen torch is used to braze metal parts together and the room where they weld the water jackets onto the cylinders are places of especial interest the nickel plating room japanning room and the room where painting and drying are done almost complete the tour of the various departments 
but there still remain the woodworking shop boat shop assembling rooms where the aeroplanes are put together and completely set up and the motor testing room where motors are run for whole days ten hours at a time driving an air propeller and showing on scales the amount of thrust given at all times here you may also see a machine to make brake tests of the motors by which is told how much horsepower the motors give this machine consists of a large drum with a brake fixed against it and cooled by water so it will not get too hot this brake absorbs the energy of the motor which is measured by an arrangement of scales and lever arms there is a tremendous racket when the big motors are running at full speed in this small room and the hillside rings with the roar of their fiery exhaust in the laboratory of the factory where the designs and drawings are made there is one of the most interesting pieces of apparatus in the whole plant this is a wind tunnel where models of aeroplanes are tested and where experiments are tried to see what occurs in the stream of air here tests are made which assist in determining what the best form and shape of objects such as upright posts and exposed parts shall be and where a measure of their relative resistances may be made the tunnel itself consists of a square box with a propeller or fan mounted at one end to create a draft or current of air which passes through a screen to cause it to assume a uniform motion there is a window in the tunnel through which the observer can see the action of the objects to be tested varying the speed of the fan varies the speed of the air current and its pressure and in this manner the streamlines of air under the varying conditions and their effect upon models of different forms and shapes may be studied to enable refinements to be made in the aeroplane's construction down on the shore of lake kiuka about a half mile from the factory are the aeroplane sheds and the flying field here is where the aviation school is situated and where flyers are made over the smooth field the pupils start with the four-cylinder grass cutters or machines hobbled so that they cannot get but a little way off the ground they hop 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 almost all day long one after the other taking regular turns and now and then varying the monotony by being called away by the flying instructor to take a real flight in the hydro-aeroplane out over the lake to get accustomed to the upper air and to the high speed of the big machine later in his course of instruction the student takes out an eight-cylinder machine and flies around in circles over the field until he is able to take the test for his aero club of america license which requires him to make two series of figure eights around two pylons fifteen hundred feet apart landing each time within one hundred and fifty feet of a mark and rising to an altitude greater than two hundred feet this is the goal of the novice and after his test the student is ready to fly as far and as fast as he likes he has become the complete airman end of section twenty seven end of the curtis aviation book by glenn curtis and augustus post recording by maria casper